getting you know getting started you can say i want to do 10 deals this year but what i would say is just focus on doing one good yes. deal and if you're new it's easier just to do the work i've i don't know how many turkeys i sent out at thanksgiving last year of all the people that i talked to all the owners that i talked to and it never they never called back but i stayed in contact with them you know i sent them a turkey told them happy thanksgiving and if anything ever changes you know you know where to find me i got three deals off that I think it's the little things. I think everyone just tries too hard at times instead of just being a genuine person. You know, you can't just send them a a mail or call them on the phone and expect that deal to come because it's not going to. I agree. I completely agree. Welcome, everybody, to Self Storage Income. And uh, today I have a lot of questions because... um, John Duckett, who's my guest today, uh, thanks for coming on, 32 facilities, and you started in December 21st of 20. That's correct. That's amazing, man. Like, I, really, congratulations, first of all, on all your success. I mean, we're talking like, yeah, we're like two years and a half, two and a half years right now? Two and a half years, yep. 12-ish 12, a year. Yeah. yeah, I actually just got one under contract yesterday while I was here. So it's uh, really, I, I have, you know, just you to thank. Um, I got in my first facility, just I wasn't even looking for self-storage a lot like you. Um, I was looking for a way to not pay taxes. Um, got a construction company. We build subdivisions and houses. And every year, my brother's my CPA, and he would, with Duckett Lad, and he would come in and tell me the bad news of how much money I owed. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. And it was actually him. It was like, you might look into self-storage. And then had just a local facility that came in my hometown that my office was right next door. So I just walked up and talked to the owner. And he was on the fence if he wanted to sell or not. Um, I just made a relationship with him and checked back in once a week, once every couple weeks, just to go in there and talk to him and see you know, learning really more than buying at that point, just asking them questions, figuring out, you know, how does this business operate? And uh, eventually, you know, a couple months down the road, he's like, you know what, I am ready to sell. And I had no idea how to underwrite it or anything. You know, I I bought plenty of single family, multifamily. So I used the 1% rule and uh, made him an offer and he took it and found your podcast after that. I was trying to learn everything there was to learn because at the time it was just me. I was all in at that point. So from that moment on, it was, I'm going to go talk to every self-storage facility in my area and um, just introduce myself. And uh, it's kind of grew a little further than just my area now, but that was that was my first deal. That I love that it was, okay, I'm going to buy this. All right, now I should probably learn how to do this. Like <laughs> Exactly. I knew I nothing. It. I knew nothing I, about it. I love that. I think a lot of people, though, um, analysis paralysis, right? But I think it's even more than that. Uh, even when I hear people talking like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I want to get started, but, you know, I don't know nearly as much as you do. And I'm like, no, you know way more than I did when I started because there wasn't any information. So we literally, that we were buying it and then figuring it out. We didn't, have, we didn't have even have, a, there wasn't a book or anything. And so I, I think that a lot of people underestimate the power of that. I'm going to, we're going to do it. We're going to stick to, I, I love a simple rule. You have a 1% rule. Explain what the 1% rule is to everybody. 
1% would be if you bought it for a million bucks, it needs to generate 10,000 a month. Um, to in a normal market with you know normal interest rates would, would give you a pretty good return on your money. Easy way to look at something saying, it's gonna give me a decent return, right? And it, we had something fairly similar, right? Where it was like, okay, we need this to cash flow. We wanted to see a certain amount of cash flow above expenses, and then just the cost of the price. That's what the one percent uh, rule is, and then we, we, we would buy it because we knew that all the good stuff about real estate. Oh yeah, you pay down debt, right? And we thought, well, we could buy it. It'll cash flow, pay us today to hold it, right? But really, we viewed it as our tenants were working for us, paying down our own debt, and then after long period of time it would be debt free and then it would be like a retirement plan for us right but i mean that was really kind of the whole thought process and so we bought it and then learn and i think what i like most about it too is you had to like you did it then it's like we actually have to figure this out now I, yes yes and it was a long learning process uh, i'm still learning um that's why i so come am I. that's why i come to these events and i'm still reading at night and still trying to figure out more strategies, um, you know, downstairs talking to several guys that they're looking for the same stuff. I mean, I think that especially the younger generation is is trying to figure out how do we make this as streamlined as possible where you can still give that wow factor. And And I'm still not there yet. Like, I'm still trying to figure out ways to, you know, be better than the competition with not adding a ton of cost yeah we're still there too uh and this perpetual learning obviously cycle combined with doing that is i think what made you really different uh a lot of people are really good about wanting to be better one about learning things but it has to be in combination with execution and uh, the fact that you're sitting here with 32 facilities saying, geez, man, I don't know a lot. I don't know. Right. That's, that's how it works. And before I ever made, wrote the book or the podcast, you know, until I became paralyzed and then lost my job, got out of the hospital, I'd never, ever made any content. I never taught and then social media, nothing. Right. And largely it was because I felt like I didn't know what I was talking about. And we had over a hundred million in assets storage assets at the time. And uh, we did everything, the management company, we did all of it. We had all our employees, everything else. But uh, I felt like I didn't know because I knew there was so much that I didn't know, right? Like it was like, so why should I talk about it? So it, it was this action, we're learning as we're going. And then we improved. I mean, just in the two and a half years, I can only imagine the education in that short period of time compared to when you just bought that first facility. Uh, that's fast, man. It is fast. And there's, there's been some, some growing pains, but you know, I've, when I started out, it was just me. Um, I answered the phones. I did, I did everything apart with running a construction company. So I quickly learned I can't do that, especially if I want to scale this. So I hired a lady named Michelle. She answers the phones for us. Um, then I, now I have three boots on the ground guys. They show up at the office every day and then I let them know where to go. I have learned a lot, but I still feel like I'm still constantly learning. Um, 
I feel like here in the last three to four months, there's been more deals come up than I've ever even imagined. Um, you know, used to when I first started, it was me going to the facility, knocking on the door, speaking with the owner, getting a relationship. So I learned that really quickly that it's kind of like dating a girl. You know, when you when you go on a date with a girl, you you don't go and try to kiss her the first time you met her. You know, you want to go and talk to her. You want to take her on a few dates. You want to get to know her. That's, in my opinion, how I've been so successful with finding deals is because I don't go in the door and say, hey, you want to sell? Everyone's doing that. Everyone is calling. Any self-storage owner knows exactly what I'm talking about. You have people call every single day. And, you know, in anymore, it's, you know, just call centers calling, you know, it's not yep. even the, the actual people, the guys. you know, and, and in my opinion, that doesn't work as well. Um, I, I completely agree. I, I go and I talk to the people, even if it's a three hour drive from my house, you know, whatever it is, if I really find a facility I want, I'll go talk to them and I'll just talk storage, you yep. know, exactly. And then at the end of it, you know, just say, Hey, I'll be in town in another month, wherever we should meet up and I'll go have lunch with them. And then, you know, it's not even like, I do want to buy their facility. Yeah. But that's not the starting point. And it's not even, if I don't end up buying it, okay, we talked and I learned yeah. something. And, yeah. you know, maybe they learned something from me. Yeah. For some reason, that's not something real estate people want to hear. I tell people all the time, we, when we got started, we were just meeting owners. We were knocking on doors. We were talking to them. We were building relationships. And a lot of it, too, at the time, uh, it was like that's how we learned about our industry because of the lack of information stuff. So we were actually legitimately, tell me about your market. What are you seeing? I know I did this too. They are, you know, they're in the same industry. They're doing the same thing. And that leads to good networking. And that leads to, if they're going to sell, they're going to sell to us. And in today's age, I feel the sales method is allowing no to be so quickly. Because if someone calls me, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm interested to buy your facility, what they've done is they've given me an opening to say no quickly. What they're, what they're doing is saying, first of all, I, I'm a, I don't even know if they're a real person, right? If they're a call center, anything else like that. And so I don't know who you are. That would be crazy to think that I'm going to just sell my facility to you. I don't know who you are. And you may say, AJ, that happens all the time. People buy from people and all but they use brokers and the person knows the broker, right? right? So the broker is building that relationship. That's why the two parties come together. That's why you don't know the other party because you don't need to because somebody else has the relationship. If you're trying to get off market deals or if you're just trying to get more deals in areas um, and you're out talking to owners, well, they're gonna end up selling to you. It's a, it's a relationship business still. Yeah, you have to put yourself, what I think, you have to put yourself before the sign goes in the yard, right? Mm -hmm. You know, same way with single family homes when I got started. You didn't, if you waited till the sign was in the yard, in my opinion, you're already too late. I'm not saying that you can't buy from a broker and still get a good deal, but the, the 10 to 15 caps, in my opinion, are because you went and made the relationship and spent the time with them and let them get to know you. Yeah. And then once you already have that foot in the door, just like you said, instead of calling a broker, they're gonna say, I remember that redheaded kid that came in here and was talking to me about storage and really wanted to buy it. I'm gonna call him first because he remembers me. If you wait till the sign's in the yard, you are now competing on price. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
um, this has been something, honestly, I, I'm not going to lie, that um, has been a real struggle for me and for, I think, us and our firm in general because that used to be, it, it used to be fairly easy with big, large facilities that are more institutional level, right? Whereas today, when you're these big, large facilities, um, and Brian, our office, done a great job. He, he closed on this year, seller financing, 85,000 square foot facility in um, Oklahoma City, off market. We knew the owners, everything else. Great, amazing deal. And that took him eight months to do. And that that that's hard, right? It, because those usually big facilities, are, they, that's, they're just going for price. And um, that's been something that we've looked at and said, how do you, I, I, I often think, how do I execute that at mass? So if I want to buy 20 deals a year or 30 deals a year or some big, big number, uh, a lot of times people just default to where that can no longer exist, right? We can't do that. So what we are doing is, uh, is we are competing on price and we're, that's the muscle we're going to flex. And that's what the big players do. All institutional guys, right? Big funds, they have the power of money. And I hate that because the my entire business structure is on improving and creating value. Whereas when you start to just flex the money, that value is evaporating as that price goes up that you can create because now you're paying over value. So the value that you create is just trying to get you to where it should be. Uh, everybody's buying on performance. And so that's that's hard. And if you're new, it's easier just to do the work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Do the work. And, you know, you can getting, you know, getting started, you can say, I want to do 10 deals this year. But what I would say is just focus on doing one good yes. deal. You know, if you put yourself in a position where all you do is good deals instead of chasing deals, it doesn't matter. You can spend a million dollars and in cash flow $10,000 a month, or you can spend, do five deals and spend $2 million and still have the same cash flow. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't need to, set your, your limit just on the deal factor. And, and I've talked to a lot of people where that's all they, they talk about. I want to buy, I talked to a guy just the other day, he said, I want to buy 300,000 square feet this year. And to me, it's like, well, I want to buy good deals. I'm not going to, I don't put a limit on it. I don't try to meet a goal. I'm just constantly looking. And there's a lot of deals that I pass on. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, the, but they're still out there. They're still there. They're still there. They're not sold, yep. um, you know, and, I just think that, especially in the last three to four months, there there's been a lot more deals that I've found. Sellers are coming back around to where, you know, I think we are in a new norm for now. Yep. I mean, who knows the future? I don't know if anyone does. No. Um, so if it cash flows and it pencils now, then you're probably going to be okay. You know, I don't. I could not agree more, and I I also agree we're we're, we're seeing a change. I feel like the busy season, as it's kind of come to an end. I think it maybe got rid of any notion in sellers that there's going to be this storm of buyers again that are willing to pay four caps in teeny towns for you know teeny facilities, which people were doing mm -hmm. prior, and so that that hope got smashed, and then they weren't so busy where they had lines out the doors, and they weren't just able to raise prices, and I think everybody was waiting for that, like because it changed last year going into fall so everybody was waiting i feel for the busy season to rescue them 
or, or that overinflated price that they wanted and it didn't happen. And so now people are like, okay, I got to be, I got to be honest here. And I got to be realize that we don't know if this will ever change. So if we're going to sell, we need to sell and they can have a conversation now. Um, and that's a big change from what it's been for the last eight months where the only conversations I felt that you were having with the very little sellers we were having, it was, this isn't even a conversation here. You, you, the prices you're talking about are unreasonable. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and I, most of the towns that I'm in, you know, are 20,000. Um, I'm, I'm in a town of 4,000, you know, and um, I'll just tell you a story about about two weeks ago, little bitty town in Arkansas, drove past. It's the only storage facility in the town. So I did my research, went up and talked to the owner and he said, uh, I, you know, just introduced myself, started talking storage, told him who I was. And I said, you know, you got a really nice facility here. I saw you from the highway. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I think I'm about to sell. I didn't even ask him, you know, I'm just talking. I said, oh really? He said, yeah, a guy called me on the phone and he said, uh, I just gave him all the information and, uh, he's, he's going to come buy it. Like he's already signed this contract and all that. And I said, mind if I see the contract? Like, you know, he showed it to me and I looked through it and it's, it's totally a wholesaler. He has every out in the book. And, um, I didn't want to, you know, bust the guy's bubble. I was like, that's awesome, man. You know, I hope you, everything works out, but if it doesn't, you know, here's my number. And I was actually going to talk to you about buying your facility. Well, last yesterday, um, the guy called me back. He's like, Hey, uh, that actually didn't, didn't work. And, uh, I was like, Oh, that's a bummer, you know, but you know, someone will be out there. He said, well, you said you were interested. And I said, well, I am interested, but I seen the number on the contract and we're, I'm nowhere near that. And he said, well, I thought it was too good to be true. And we, we signed a contract yesterday. So I think a lot of people, they quit at that, yes. you know, they quit. Like, I've, I don't know how many turkeys I sent out at Thanksgiving last year of all the people that I talked to, all the owners that I talked to, and it never, they never called back. But I stayed in contact with them. You know, I sent them a turkey, told them happy Thanksgiving, and if anything ever changes, you know, you know where to find me. I got three deals off that. Yeah. You know, it's just, I think it's the little things. I think everyone just tries too hard at times instead of just being a genuine person, yeah. going and talking to them, and staying in contact. I think that's a big thing. You know, you can't just send them a, a mail or call them on the phone and expect that deal to come because it's not going to. I mean, one out of a hundred maybe. Yeah. But, you know. I agree. I completely agree. It, it's your, I think the problem is not just the way of going, like how you go about it. Um, the industry is immune, like you mentioned. The amount of calls, the amount of flyers and everything, it doesn't even mean anything anymore. Like, oh, I want to buy your facility. Like, you and everybody else. There's nobody that doesn't want to buy it, right? Just because it exists, because everybody wants it. So it, that that mentality of just flyers and just mass calls, everybody has a VA. Everybody is doing all those things. And if you want to separate yourself from all of that noise, um, it doesn't take a lot. And it, it just takes being real and it takes connection. And, um, I, I think the people that are going to sell anyways to you are not the people that are going for the slick, you know, they're not going for the brokers. They're not going for that. So know your market and it doesn't take a lot. It takes one deal. Exactly right. 
And it's like, you might as well do a little bit of real effort as opposed to a lot of fluff to yield that one deal. And two, the best thing about the way you're talking about, it, it's way less expensive than hiring people, than sending out mass mailers. It's just you getting out, getting to know people, getting to know the industry you are in or want to be in, um, which you should be doing anyways. Whether or not you're buying that facility, you should be doing that. And uh, that yields. It, it yielded the most for us. I mean, we did, we did a deal on a handshake once. Literally just... We were in there talking to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I built this up, stabilized it, everything else, and it was a large deal. And he was like, you know, thinking about selling. We were just sitting there. We just stopped in to talk to him because we were in the area, looked at some facilities, and we're like, oh, that's great. I mean, if, if you're ever interested, you know, tell us. And he goes, well, you know, I don't like to play games, things like that. And... He, we, we said, yeah, we get it, neither do we. And he goes, well, and we said, well, what, what would you want? He goes, $4 million. $4 million, I'd sell it. We said, okay, we'll pay you that. Reached across the table, shook hands, and we closed. And it was the littlest thing. We didn't ask him. And uh, we didn't fight him. We didn't, you know what I mean? We didn't, mm-hmm. we held to you it. You gave him everything you, yeah. want, you wanted. Yeah, And it's, it, it's, those aren't big things. They're little things. It's you just driving and talking to somebody, right? And being, being there when the next thing falls through, because that's happening a lot now. Now, talk to me about managing, onboarding these things. I mean, that, that's a lot. You're, you're buying these facilities. You got to onboard them. What does that look like for you? onboarding 10 facilities a year. So that is the the hardest part. Um, that's what puts the most stress on my team. Um, but, you know, we, we've gotten it somewhat streamlined to where we're not doing 30-day closes. Um, we're getting 60 to 90-day closes. And day one, while, you know, we're still underwriting the deal, we're going ahead and collecting all that customer info. We're getting that set up in the software months prior to closing. Um, we're sending out letters to everyone and emails to everyone, letting them know, Hey, as of December 1st, we're the new owners. Here's how you contact us. Please contact us prior to that day. So we can go ahead and get your credit card information set up for auto pay. So we can, you know, at least introduce ourselves to you. Um, and that has seemed to help tremendously. Um, we'll typically do signage that day. You know, we have a checklist now, you know, you need signage, you need to make sure, your website's up and running. You need to, oh, there's there's so many yeah. different things about it. But, you know, just really just making sure that you have everything set up from your locks to whatever you're using, your you know, your, your software. Um, but it, that is the hardest thing. But once you get past that first month, once you do onboard everyone and you take ownership, it's about 30 days because they have to make their payment, right? Yeah. Some One way or another, they if you had a wrong email or if you had you know, bad cell phone number or home address, which happens, um, they're going to be getting a hold of you somehow because they need to make their payment. Um, so after that 30 days, it gets a lot easier. That's, that is the hardest part to me is the, the transition period. When you guys are looking at property management software for your storage facilities, there's a ton of options out there, but no other option compares to Tenant Inc. 
Tenant Inc. is going to be your one-stop shop solution that has an amazing amount of tools that you can deploy at your fingertips to maximize the value of your facility, to operate it more efficiently, more effectively. They have an open API where you can back in almost anything you want. You own your data. It's just an incredible solution. I can't say enough good things about these guys. Link is in the show notes. Be sure to check out Tenant Inc. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've made? Buying smaller facilities too early. Um, I learned a lot from them. Um, that at the time was, you know, right when I got started, I was, you know, everything storage. You know, I was just going still by the same principles. Um, but those smaller facilities, you can't run as efficient. Um, you know, if you have a 20, 30,000 square foot facility that doesn't have a fence, it's much cheaper per unit to put up a fence on that than it is a four or 5,000 square foot facility. Yeah. Um, so I think in the beginning, I, I only have three facilities that I consider small. Um, but I think in the beginning I was just so ready to do deals. Kind of what I just said earlier, like don't do because just do good deals. You know, as long as you're focused, as long as you are still motivating yourself every day, you're going to get the deals. Don't try to push so hard all at once. I don't know if it's regret, but I wish I would have known a lot of things earlier, like implementing tenant insurance, um, you know, charging these late fees and all these fees that just add up so much. I think like right now our late fees and our tenant insurance and all these make up to about 15 to 20% of our actual revenue, you know, that, that I didn't know day one. I rent locks to all my tenants, you know, and, and a lot of people think that, hey, that's, that's minute or whatever, but, you know, I'm up to 3,500 units now. And at two dollars a month, that's that's seven grand in my pocket every month, you know. So I've I've tried to these these just little things that add up in volume, um, but I would say that that is my biggest regret is in the beginning just trying to stay laser focused on your buy box. I know I've heard you talk about your buy box so many times, and that's in the beginning I just didn't have a buy box. My buy box was storage, storage, yeah. storage yep. near me basically. Yep. Um, and I've, I've gotten away just from my hometown. You know, I, I listened to you multiple times that said, you know, you kind of got to get past that. And at the time I wasn't ready to do that. I was still more in that. I need to really understand the asset and the business side of it before I go take out something, you know, 500 miles away or whatever. Um, but I have started doing that, but those, those facilities aren't my long-term hold. Um, they're my kind of fix and flip facilities um that i've been doing but my long-term hold for my family is just you know keeping everything close um it's just a little easier to run in my opinion for at least our model um you don't have to outsource anything you don't have to hire um a boots on the ground guy that you don't know um you don't you don't have to have a you know a call center that you have to hire or, or anything like that it's just to me it's a little easier when you can be there you know and see it and th that's probably Another problem of mine is I, I feel like I have to have my, my finger on it at all times. You know, I've got I've to see it. I've got to be there. And I have a hard time letting go of that, yeah. you know. And just like, you know, your conference here, it's, I think the last two years, you know, you've, everyone here has at least spoke on once, you know, delegating responsibility. Yes. And, and that is my hardest thing to do. It's, oh, man, yeah, that. I think a lot of people think they're good at it, including me, but when you love something and let's just be honest, when you're good at something, um, 
delegation's hard because lots of times, especially at the first, you're delegating to someone that it may not it may not be as good as you. And the first thing that I could hear people saying is, "Well, just hire better people, or you know, do something better." And that's a really simple, great answer. But when you've been doing something that's very specific with your portfolio that you know how certain things react, you know how certain things work, right? There's nobody else that's been in that position. So who do you go hire that knows those very specific things, right? And so then once you delegate, lots of times then it feels like there's a lot of upfront work. Now I got to train them, right? I got to do it. So it's almost like, I I feel like at, at first it starts to hold you down instead of actually let you move forward. And, uh, that, that can be, uh, it's a bumper sticker, just delegate. Right. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, I'm absolutely saying everybody should. And that is 100% the key to being successful in scaling is your ability to, uh, depend on and have other people help you help you grow. With that said, uh, uh, just delegates an oversimplification. And uh, uh, at one point in your your job description, right, as you're scaling, you are a manager of people, not storages anymore, and not assets. And so what I generally find for me is there was different phases of leadership that I had to go through. And when I'd go up into one phase of leadership, I may not have been good at it, right? May not have been the best. So I totally understand what you're saying. You like it. And you're like, I know I need to do it. But um, that's a, I just don't think it's as easy as people make it sound. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. You know, definitely we'll get there. It's just, Absolutely. it's kind of like starting storage all over again, almost yes. trying to figure out the right moves. And I've, I've made several moves here in the last six months and I've learned what not to do so far. Yeah. Um, so still trying to get to that point just of. Not that I want to take my hands off. I don't, I don't want to, you know, go to the beach and, and just go on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. But I would love for it to run smoothly where I'm not having to be there in and out every day and keeping everyone busy to an extent um, that I have more time to go out and find other deals or to spend with my family yeah. or, you know. Well, and two, I think like people that are wanting to get into storage, you know, a lot or people that have maybe one facility or two facilities and they want to have a portfolio there is this element of reinventing yourself right so i'm going to reinvent myself to be a storage person i'm going to reinvent myself to be a portfolio guy right i'm going to reinvent myself to be a manager a a leader of people right and that's something that i just find is always continual so a lot of people that are I feel they're waiting for themselves to become the person before they do the thing. So it's like, uh, once again, the exact opposite of what you did. You bought storage and then you learned it, right? Where a lot of people are waiting to know storage and then they'll buy. It doesn't work like that. You want to wait till you're a good leader and then you'll lead. It doesn't work like that. I agree completely. I agree completely. It doesn't. And um, so it's it's just a muscle almost that we have to get used to working out. And that's being uncomfortable and uh, growing. And that's a big part of growth from the bottom all the way to the top that I don't think changes. And I think for 
whether it's us or anyone that doesn't have storage or people that feel like they're not getting the traction maybe that you are, right, um, get used to maybe that feeling and being uncomfortable, and that's okay. Uh, but you, when, tell me about your team you have now. So how are you operating all these facilities currently? So our main office is there in Popper Bluff. Um, I have Michelle that <clears throat> her role is to answer the phone. Um, she'll collect payments. Um, she'll make our overlock list. You know, if people that are delinquent, she'll call delinquent customers. Um, and then we have three other guys that show up at the office eight o'clock every day. And then we got three company vehicles and my job still is to schedule them to where they're going to go. Um, so every day they'll be going to a different place, not together. Um, and at that time they will put overlocks on the units. They will complete the checklist of, is the grass been taken care of? Is the, is there any repairs that need done to the facility? Um, is the gate working properly? Is there anything that we need them to do while they're there? Because we don't, to run that tight model, to run, keep your expenses low, you need to accomplish everything at that facility while you're there. You don't want to have to make a trip back because, you know, some facilities are 120 miles away. So you need to touch that two times a month. And while you're there, do everything you possibly can. So that's basically all, that's, it's, it's, it's really not a hard process. Um, you know, it's just, you're, you're managing the facility. You don't want it. You, you always want it looking clean. You always want to make sure that everything is taken care of while you send them there. Um, we use the DaVinci lock system, which, you know, in my opinion, was, was a godsend. You know, it, it made it so much simpler for us to be able to lock the unit and then also rent the customer that lock. And then at the same time, you know, have an overlock for where the customer can remove that lock. Um, so you're not going, like when I started, you know, 15, 20 people that locked out, well, they make a payment and I'm a, I am big on customer service. Um, I've spoke to, spoke to other operators. It's like, well, I just wouldn't remove it till the following Monday. Cause I want to teach them a lesson. I, I don't want that. I, I want them to go on and leave a five-star review because I showed up on a Saturday and I unlocked your unit. Um, so DaVinci really streamlined our process. Um, I, I know there's other, other stuff out there, but we're in more of these rural areas where a lot of the technology that's there, the people haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's our, and then on the weekends, um, we have a lady that just works the weekends. So she'll work from eight o'clock in the morning to five o'clock at night, um, answering the phones, you know, renting units. We are set up for online, um, payments, you know, they can rent online, do everything themselves. But what we find is still, there's probably 30 to 40% of our customers are calling us to rent it over the phone. Um, even though they can rent online, we'll ask them, you know, we're not lazy. We'll say, well, you can do this online. We can send you a link to your phone. Um, or we'll do it right now with you over the phone. And a lot of people want to do it over the phone right then. They don't want to have to go online. Um, so I really think storage is a lot like what you say. It's the micro. Um, I don't think there's just one size that fits all to what you do. You know, what I do won't probably won't work in a big city, you know, but th this is what works in my towns. Yeah. You know, now, um, you mentioned that 
you you know you've got your people that go out do you do that on-site stuff about once a week is it you try to hit every facility once a week or is it on a like more of an as-need basis so is it okay we've got overlocks or how's that work so no uh the three the three guys they show up every day um but overlocks are only once a month so you know we've got 32 facilities so if we send three guys out and they hit a facility a day but we're also you know these guys aren't just doing overlocks if if a building needs power wash they're power washing it if a building needs you know full a roof, roof a, there's a leak full, full maintenance yeah, property management they, they do it all got it um so you know then that's how we keep our expenses low you know out of the 32 facilities um, I think right now we're bringing in a little over a quarter million dollars a month and my expenses are 15%. Um, so, you know, we've kept those expenses so low by this way, by this model. Yes. Um, and it's, it's really worked extremely well. I think there's a couple things I'm lacking, especially with delinquencies and payments. Um, and I've, I've got a couple things out there that I'm working on now that I'm testing out that's out there in the market. But if if there was a simpler way of collecting delinquencies, that that ties up so much of the call center's time. Man, I got a lot of questions. It's first of all, I love exactly how you're doing it. Um, when you are buying those facilities, your model is perfect. It's simple. It works. Works for the customers. It works for the tenants. Works for the type of facilities in the areas. Um, when you are trying to then buy these facilities, you, you now feel like, okay, I have my system. We know what we're doing. I'm going to manage it. Is that capital coming from you? Do you have investors? How are you, uh, how, how are you looking saying I can buy 10 more? So great question. Um, and I was going to talk to you about this later, but right now it's been all me, me and my wife. Um, we have a construction company that, that does very well. So, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be able to supply everything ourselves. Um, I'm getting to the point because in the last three or four months, I've had so many good deals, good deals that I've worked on for the past couple of years that I'm probably going to have to pass some of them up because I don't want to run in a hot seat. You know what I mean? Um, and I listened to the lady downstairs today and I messaged her on, on the agenda thing, but, uh, there's a lot that I need to learn on that because I do think I'm to a point where I'm going to have to start taking investor money. Um, and I don't know anything about that because yeah. I've never had to do it before. Yeah. Yeah. Took, took me 15 years. <laughs> so, uh, um, now, uh, are you doing, are you, are you trying to refinance your capital back out to put it to work? Or are you, are you trying to do things like that? But you, I mean, you got to obviously wait, you're so new, uh, you got to get them stabilized and have track record, things like that. But is that part of your plan too? That is what I've been doing. So during, during COVID I got, it's, it was almost a, a double-edged sword. Um, all the facilities I had at the, I guess, would have been end or about middle of 22, um, I refinanced them all. Got a real good rate at a local bank. Um, but at that time, I didn't pull my equity out. Um, I just refinanced the debt. So at this point, it's hard to go back and, and try to refine, you know, get a, a new appraisal because we have increased a lot of value. We have increased our yeah our, you know, revenue, but unless a bank's willing to take a second on it, which probably possibly could get done, I don't want to refi that at today's rate of eight, yep. you know, cause that's the rate I've been getting yeah. quoted is, is 8%. Mm -hmm. Um, and the banks want to be at a lower LTV. They want to be 75 yes, to 
percent. Yep. They want your deposit accounts. They want yep. The DCR at an eight percent rate is no longer the same. Yep. So all of a sudden, it's yeah. It, and um, we we have the same issue where we we have some facilities and even with our investors investors because our whole model is that you know we got this three to five year time frame. Really four years. We want all our money out. Um, for our investors plus profits, but they still own the asset. And we had a couple facilities that this spring, I was like, oh, that's going to come up. We'll be able to do that, right? And at the rates and everything, we're like, no, we're not going to do it. Because if we did, we'd be leaving all this money on the table that we could have access to. And so we're like, we'll, we'll push it off. We'll, we'll wait. And I'm okay waiting um, to do it at the right time for, you know, for the right reasons. Um, so yeah, that's that does put a strain in fact it's if you look at it the system as a whole lack of people selling lack of refis that's a, a that's a lot of capital that's locked up in real estate um because due to the interest rates people can't get it out right. and so that creates opportunity because uh, there's not as many buyers but at the same time you have less capital you have access to so no i i totally understand that it, it's a problem that we fill where it's like that velocity of money within our industry it just halted halted from really like investors and everybody else and this is how it works but when it halts that's when the good deals come out and trying to explain that to people is one thing but i know exactly <laughs> it's like if you wait right now you know who knows the future but you know just guessing you know from the, the smarter people that i've talked to is you know 18 months or so you know we should start seeing that that Fed fund rate around four yeah. percent. You know, three seven five. Who knows? It could it could go the other way. But if it does do that, then you're going to start to see all the money pile back in. Yep. And the deals are going to get harder to find again. Yep. And so it's that's why right now you know it's so important to me that if it if it cash flows at twenty five basis points over the current rate, um, then I'm going to do it because typically with me I. You know, I learned this from you, but I am not basing that off of pro forma. I'm basing that off today. What are you bringing in today? Yeah. Does it cash flow at that? And if it does, or or close, and I know I've got a rate run rate rate runway to yeah. uh, to go with it. You know, with all the things that all of us know to implement, yes. um, then it's a good buy. And and I think you just you know, I know a lot of these probably first time listeners, just like I was you know, came on here, you know, how do I get a deal? How do I finance the deal? Um, and I think you just go do one, Yes. you know, it doesn't have to be a big facility or just go talk to an owner. You know, every storage guy I've ever met, it's a weird asset class. They will tell you everything, everything, <laughs> everything. you know, they love to talk about yeah. it. Love to talk about it. It's weird when they don't to me. Yeah. Well, what are you hiding? Right. Obviously I, I literally, sit on a mic and tell everybody what we're doing all the time. Um, and uh, so it, 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 and that's, I think though, I guess that's natural for me because that's how I built my business. I was running around just like you were talking to owners and we were, here's my rate and here's what we were doing. It, it wasn't something I worried about or thought about. So it was very natural to just have conversations with operators like yourself uh, here and share it with everybody. It's not worried about it. And a lot of people I think may come from industries where that's totally not how it works. Right. And so they're almost even nervous to ask. And I'm like, they're like, well, what should we say? And I'm like, ask them what their occupancy is. 
<laughs> like, how do we know what their occupancy is? I'm like, ask them. Can I do that? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you gotta know. Like, go ask them. <laughs> like it's don't make it complicated. Like, Hey, how's it going? How's the facility running? Is the market changed? You know, what's your occupancy at? If you had to drop rates down, like, and I mean, a smart operator yeah. would, would jump at that question absolutely. because they, they would want you to know, Hey, I'm, you know, I actually am at 80% occupancy. We've been dropping rates. Yep. Um, you probably don't need to go build that yeah. 20,000 The biggest threat foot. to storage is storage. 100%. And you don't want dumb operators coming in. We want operators and good operators. You only have, you know, 100 units to sell. You know that you can't service the market. What you don't want, though, is someone that just builds a huge facility. There was no demand and didn't know what was going on. So we're totally great talking to each other because it is, I mean, a rising tide lifts all ships. And self-storage is very susceptible to local overbuilding. Oh, no, I 100% agree. I had someone call me about a month ago, and it was, he was a guy that I knew from high school, and he was, you know, he was always a hustler, hard worker, and he asked me, he said, I really want to get into storage. He said, I want to do it here in Popper Bluff, and, you know, at this point I own all facilities in Popper Bluff other than one. Um, he said, you know, what do I need to do? And I said, well, I wouldn't go in and build a bunch of dry storage units. I, w I just wouldn't do that. For one, you're going to be competing with me, which is okay, yeah. but I wouldn't do that because I kind of control the market. So, you know, my ad spend is going to outweigh anything you do. But there is a very big demand for Boat RV here, and we're not really chasing that right now. And that's what he's going to do. Yeah. You know, so it's it's great to go in and talk to the operators just so they can let you know, you know, and some of them might be dishonest. I haven't met one yet. Um you know, not yet. I'm sure, you know, eventually I might, might run across one, but that's, that's the smartest thing to do to me is, you know, go talk to the operator. If you're wanting to build a facility in a new area, know everything there is to know about that area, you know, and don't just rely on store track either. Cause no, that can no. really throw. Absolutely. They don't, it, it doesn't catch, and it's not, nothing wrong with storefront, nothing wrong with radius. They say themselves, you need to go check the market, especially when you're out of big markets, when you're in smaller markets and it, it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with the fact that the owners that aren't using a lot of tech and aren't advertising online, they literally can't get the information. So there's holes, not because of store track not because of radius not because of anybody else but it's just because the owners aren't populating so you can't know right well, right well you know and just if if you're in a town of twenty thousand people and you you pull it up and it says that there's you know 14 square foot per capita and you really dive in like most people would probably just look at that and say oh it's oversupply yep. if you really dive into that what 14 square foot are they talking about yeah. there might be a hundred thousand square foot of boat rv exactly that's not the same that's not the same you're it's exactly a different product right. it's a totally different product and those holes are obviously really important or you find out that oh 14 square feet per capita or maybe there's eight oh eight square feet per capita okay well i'm gonna go build boat and rv and all eight square feet were boat and rv right. you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot you know so you, you exactly right you gotta you gotta look at that different um now, I mean, you're obviously running full steam. You're killing it. Um, you're doing great. Are you still running your construction company? So I've been blessed with a guy that, that takes care of all that for me Good. basically now. Um, you know, I wish I could find the hem of storage. Yep. yep. Um, but no. So I am still a part of the day-to-day. 
um, yeah. checking in on things. But no, I've I've really been blessed with good help on that side of things. Good and good and you. good help with on storage too. I yeah, just yeah yeah you know we are running at full steam, and it's it's no fault of any of theirs. It's it's more it's all my fault. I've got to I've got to get them some help. I've got to get the right people in play to continue this growth. I mean we're keeping up with it now, but it's not going to be sustainable the bigger we get, and we're going to get bigger. Dude, I, I love it. I I appreciate you so much coming on here, telling people your stories, your downfalls what you've learned um it's frankly it's it's inspiring man i mean you're doing a killer job how it's set up the simplicity of it um and i think you know for anybody listening for me one of the biggest takeaway here it for me is the sincerity you're talking to an owner if you're sincere you're not trying to pull something over one out they're gonna be sincere with you and so you know if you're just open, sincere, honest, you can get help. You can talk to owners. You can get deal flow. Um, and that, that that's a really big piece that I think people today vastly overlook. They just go on to the, you know, store track, radius, whatever. They do quick things and, oh, I'm not going to buy that. I can't get on the ground, talk to owners, see what's happening in those markets and create opportunities in an instead of expecting them to pop up on a broker's website or something like that. Um, that's really what you've done. Well, I appreciate it. But, you know, I, I owe a lot of it to you, too. And, and I'm, I'm sure I speak for all your listener base. We really appreciate and rely on, you know, what you put out on your podcast. Um, you know, I know that there's probably plenty of listeners out there that are just like me three years ago. I knew nothing. But you know, for the listeners out there, you can do it. Like you just got to jump in. You know, a lot of times the people that I've met, you know, they're their own worst enemy. You just got to go do it. You know, the guy downstairs earlier talked about it. Just go out and do it and keep that momentum. You know, it, it will be, it, you will, it'll be a steamboat, you know, yeah. once you just get in there and learn it, you know. 100%. Thanks, man. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you.